You are listening to the Life Point Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Drew Meyer. For more information about other Life Point Church resources, please visit www.livethemessage.org. I want to uh, share a message that's burning in my heart this morning from God's Word. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Colossians chapter 1. The title of my message this morning is The Cost of Being Ready. And Josh and Angela were just a living testimony of the heart of this message. If you want to press in for what God really has for you, if you want to experience the greatness of what God is calling you to, it's going to cost you something. And this is something I I believe many of us struggle to wrap our minds around because the gospel is a gospel of the free gift of grace. And so sometimes our flesh rears its face and says, well, there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can muster up. There's nothing we can strive to do in the kingdom of God at all. But that, that is a lie. And I, want, I want to sparse that out for I want to draw the, the clear line in the gospel, in the kingdom of God. This is not heresy. It's a free gift of grace extravagantly poured upon you for redemption of sins to transfer you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We read about that a couple weeks ago in Colossians chapter 1. But it costs much to follow Jesus. It costs you greatly to follow Jesus. To, to live in response to the great, gracious call upon your life as a son or a daughter, it costs you much. That's not heresy. That's the kingdom of God. That's the gospel as you read it in, in, uh, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. As Jesus said, John chapter 12, verse 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, truly, truly, he's not messing around. He wants you to be convinced of it. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The fruit never comes, the reward never comes without a death to something. And ultimately, you know, he's, he's um, talking about what he's, what he's going to do by laying down his life for this pearl of great price. The, the bride, the church, you and I, we had great value in his eyes. So he's willing to lay down his life. Whoever loves his life loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. He who lays down his life in this world will reap eternal reward. If anyone serves me, must follow me. And where I am, there will be my servant also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The heart of our message this morning is that anything of great value will cost you something. Anything of great value in this world that God is calling you to pursue will cost you something. And I want us this morning to count the cost. I want us to jump in. I want us to press in for more. Because I'm just, I'm tired of people being confused about this. Several weeks ago, I had a, a young person come to me and they were, they were sick and tired of being sick and tired. They, he had kind of come to the, the end of his ro- road. He was depressed, had suicidal thoughts. So he's ready to surrender his life to Christ. He's ready to, to give it all to Jesus. So right up here at this altar, we prayed a prayer. He surrendered his life to the Lord. I led him in that prayer and it seemed significant to him. Several weeks went on, though, and not everything in his life just instantly changed. I believe there's a work of God going on in his life and his heart, but everything didn't just instantly change. There were still certain lacks that he sensed on a day-to-day. There was a certain weight that he still carried. I tried to, to show him that it costs much to follow Jesus. But sadly, he really turned away from the Lord. 
Because of that confusion of the free gift of grace that's extravagantly poured out for you and available to you every single day. But can I tell you, it costs you greatly to say yes to Jesus every single day. It costs you greatly to say no to the flesh and yes to King Jesus every day. So just as Josh was saying, it is simple. The gift of, gra- the gift of extravagant grace from heaven, it's simple, but it's not easy to choose that every single day. So there's a cost to follow Jesus. And God is calling us to something great. We've been saying that for several weeks, how God has been preparing us. He's been equipping us as a church. He's been shoring up our foundations over the last two years, I believe, preparing us for a season of a move of God, of revival. A day and age, I dream of this, where we can't host enough services to, to house all the people. The parking lot will never be big enough because we, 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 can't, we can't keep up with this, the swells of salvation. We don't know what to do with all the people, how to disciple them. We're on our knees constantly, just dependent and desperate for God to move. I pray for that day. But can I, tell you, can I tell you, we'll never see that day if we don't realize it's gonna cost us something. There's a reason most churches just kind of plateau in survival mode, just trying to keep the lights on, just taking up real estate. It's because it's not easy to press in for more. It costs us something. Anything of great value will cost you something. So I want to see, uh, we'll see that this morning, Colossians chapter 1. First is this, this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer I want to share. Costly grace has to be protected from the world and not delineates between the, the precious free gift of grace, but yet the cost to say yes to Jesus every single day. He calls it costly grace, not cheap grace, but it's costly grace. It's therefore the living word, the word of God, which he speaks as it pleases him. It's this precious, beautiful thing to be stewarded. Costly grace confronts us as a gracious call. It's a generous call upon your life to follow Jesus. It comes as a word of forgiveness to the broken spirit and the contrite heart. Grace is costly because it compels a man to submit to the yoke of Christ and to follow him. It's not easy to say yes to that every single day, to submit to the yoke of Jesus every single day. It's grace because he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Every time you say yes to Jesus, those waves of the peace and the acceptance of heaven washes over and you're like, I'm so glad I said yes to Jesus today. Amen? Amen. And every day we, we kind of... Um, we say yes to that stubborn aspect of our heart, we regret it. So it's not easy. It costs us something. And then on a much grander scale, as a group of people lock arms and say, we're going to do what doesn't come easy. We're going to pay a price for the sake of our generation, for the sake of our city, for the sake of young people in our city. We're going to lay down our lives. We're going to pay a price to see breakthrough happen. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1 starting in verse 24. He says, now I rejoice in my sufferings. How often do you rejoice in your sufferings? Paul says that because his sufferings for him meant a certain great reward because he's suffering for their sake, for the sake of the church. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. So without being conscious and aware of your lack in a moment, you never get to experience the infilling of Christ that you can associate with his affliction. 
can associate with his sufficiency in the midst of your lack. You never get to experience that infilling of the peace of God if you don't consciously stop and say, okay, God, I say yes to you right now. He says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed, revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all of his energy that he powerfully works within me. You see, for Paul, there was like this burning vision of what was at stake. Three times in verse 28, he says, everyone, 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 everyone. For him, there was no playing it safe. There was no excuses for why churches sit half full. There was no excuses for why most of, uh, most of humanity sits around playing around with, uh, with games and filling their life with distractions. His heart burned for everyone to, to walk in maturity in Christ. Everyone. That not a single person would be left behind. Everyone. See, to make the word of God fully known, not partially known, but fully known. We need to wake up. In chapter 2, he says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those of Laodicea, for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is in Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in my body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Paul was fighting for everything. And he writes this letter in the midst of imprisonment. So he wasn't sitting in his like, luxury penthouse somewhere. He was in the midst of prison, in the midst of suffering, in the midst of difficulty. His heart burned for breakthrough in his generation. And I pray that our eyes would be fixed on what's at stake. You got one life to live. I'm, and I'm, this, anytime I, I preach these messages, they're, there's twofold. There's you individually, what's at stake, but then the, corporately, there's something God is calling us to as a congregation, as a church. This moment in history, for our generation, God's calling us to something. And we can sit on the sidelines passively, just kind of hoping for the best, or we can allow our hearts to be moved by the things that, God, that God's heart is moved by. Anything of great value costs us something. So we want to see a move of God in our generation. It's going to cost us something. Everyone would say, oh yeah, I want to see God move. But you kind of want to, you want to see God move from the bleachers. If you want to see God move, you really got to say yes, and you got to count the cost and jump in. There's a true cost to following Jesus. So this morning, just to illustrate this, I brought a tool with me. I brought my shovel this morning. And this shovel is, it's been around the block a little bit. It's been used a bit. But I, I want to, just for your imaginations, for, your, for you to remember, I want you to imagine that below this ground, there was an untapped aquifer of, of the purest water. It just sat below us. And you had this knowledge, and so you decide, okay, I'm going I'm to go for it. I'm going to begin to dig here and dig into this ground below to, to, to finally tap into this aquifer. 
Other people maybe had thought about it, but they didn't have the grit, they didn't have the determination in their hearts to actually pick up a shovel and begin to dig. So you're like, I'm going to go for it. So you start digging. You start digging. And eventually the, the, the heat of the day begins to beat down on you. You're getting sweaty. I'm getting hot. I'm getting tired. And eventually the, the plausible arguments, as Paul talks about, start flooding into your brain. Oh, maybe this is why no one else did this, because this is not fun. There's nothing enjoyable about this. It's getting hot. It's getting uncomfortable. Your, your muscles are starting to ache. And you say, maybe I should just quit. Maybe someone else can come and do this. Maybe, maybe someone else can hire a, a big machine to come and do this. But you begin to press in. You're like, okay, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going for it. Eventually, you hit rock. Eventually, you hit a bedrock, and you're like, okay, well, maybe this is why no one else did it, because there's rock here. Okay, well, maybe I just need to give up. Maybe I need to go call my friends. No, instead, you jump down in, in the hole. You begin to actually chip away at the rock, break it into pieces. This is like, it's getting intense at this point. I mean, you're, you're thinking, this is so foolish. Why am I doing this? But you begin to press in because you know the beautiful, pure, untapped waters that sit below. And eventually you begin to break out the pieces of rock and you throw them up on the ground below. And you begin to dig again. At this point, your hands are starting to blister. You're like, I should just stop. I should rest for the day. This is ludicrous. This is foolish. Your hands are blistering. And then the rain comes. The rain starts pouring down on you to the point that you can't even dig. At this point, you're not even making progress. You're just standing in a, hit, I mean, in a hole with the water pouring down on you. The hole is starting to cave in. It's complete foolishness. You're not making any ground. At the, finally, this waited out. You're just hunkering, hunkering down, waiting for the storm to pass. And finally, the storm passes, and you start digging again. And eventually, you dig, and that shovel load removes or uh, leaves water. And it starts filling in, the hole starts filling with water, and you, you did it. You finally experienced breakthrough. You've hit the aquifer below. There's a reason many people don't do the difficult things, because they're difficult. But you miss out on the reward that's sitting there below. And there's been this burning prayer. I've been, God's been just taking me on a journey the last several months as this theme has been brewing in our hearts that we are ready. He's been taking me through a survey of the Old Testament of all the prophetic prayers that the prophets prayed of old. And these prophets had all opposition, all difficulty rearing in their face, much more opposition than we face. And yet they prayed these bold prayers, compelled, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit, to pray bold prayers, earth-shattering prayers, nation-shaking prayers. And it's been moving my heart to not play it safe in our prayers. We gotta go for it. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta dig deep into the wells and pull out huge, bold prayers that are in alignment with the God that we serve. There's this prayer in Isaiah chapter 12, verse three. It says, with joy, you draw waters from the wells of salvation. Isaiah, even though he was faced by uh, people, he's surrounded by people that worshiped idols, idols, he was surrounded by the Assyrians, the Babylonian influences, still he was captivated by this God of redemption, of mercy, of grace. And that was the prayer he prayed. God, it's with joy that you draw waters from the wells of salvation. We have no excuse the proliferation of the gospel around the earth. There's no, we have no excuse to sit idly by. We have to pick up a shovel. We need to get going. It's gonna cost us something. It's going to be uncomfortable. Yes, you might get blisters on your knees, 
It might, it might cause you to dig a little deeper, to lose a little bit more sleep, to miss out on some meals, to be put in uncomfortable situations. But I'm going I'm to tell you we're going to reap a harvest. So I want to bring to light exactly some of the, the um, clear things from Scripture in terms of the cost of following Jesus, just explicitly, just to give a little bit more explanation and context so that no one here calls me a heretic for saying that there's a cost to following Jesus. It's a free gift of grace, redemption and mercy, grace available to you today. But it costs much to say yes to that King Jesus every single day. Here are just a few ways. One, one is the call to die to self. Dying to self is not comfortable. It doesn't tickle. To die to the old you and to, to say yes to the new you in Christ. To say yes to your identity in Christ and say no to that old you. That, that ugly face of, the, of, the, of your past and your sinful nature. I'm not saying you're ugly, but I'm saying your past is ugly. The old sinful nature, it's ugly. And it rears its face every single day. And so to crucify that, to say no to that, to say that's oh, dead. To call it like it is and to, to say the old you is dead. The new you is now alive as a son or as a, as a daughter. That's uncomfortable. It's not easy when you're tired, when you're exhausted from work, when temptations seem so alluring to say yes to the new you in Jesus costs us something. Second is this, enduring spiritual attacks and physical opposition. This is a realm many of us just don't know a lot about. And so oftentimes we just bow to it constantly. So the cost is to endure. We're all going to face spiritual attacks and physical opposition. All of us will in some form or another. The sad reality is most people don't endure. They just bow to it. They just give in. They turn back. It's too difficult. But the reality, reality is spiritual attacks will come. I know in the West we're largely oblivious to spiritual attacks, but they're real. We, we don't wage war with flesh and blood, but principalities and spiritual places. And the spiritual attacks are real. And if we dig deep, we pick up the shovel, we can realize in Christ this infilling of boldness and grace to endure. And physical opposition is something that we're not often familiar with either in the West. But you'll realize as you, as you begin to contend for something great, anything beyond the status quo, as soon as you begin to, to, um, to push the envelope beyond mediocrity, with those closest to you, with friends and family, oftentimes you'll, you'll recognize there'll be physical opposition. Third is enduring suffering and pain. I want you all to, to, to tell your neighbor this, that God is not the author of suffering and pain. Go ahead and tell your neighbor that. God is not the author of suffering and pain. He's not. <laughs> the enemy so wants to convince you. He, he likes to play these games of, uh, to try to, to twist us up and, and, and uh, get us all disoriented. And all of a sudden, we, we get into this blame game to blame God for suffering and pain. Suffering and pain is simply the result of the absence of love. Evil is the absence of love. Evil exists in the world because God formed a world where free will love could exist. So darkness is the absence of light. Evil is the absence of love. Suffering and pain is here because brokenness exists because of rebellious people that choose Choose our own way over God's way. 
So I'm not saying every time you, you suffer or experience pain is because of your personal willful decisions, but it is the result of brokenness in this world. And we know one who's a deceiver and a liar, the chief accuser, the chief liar. His name is Satan. And he is the author of, of much of this. And so if we're, if we're going to contend for something great, we are going to have to endure suffering and pain. But we have one who, who gives us all these great and precious promises. He fully equips us. He doesn't leave us lacking at all in the least bit. And if we dig deep, we get on our knees, we press in, we realize in our lack that he's filling us up with sufficiency, we will endure. It's not easy to endure. Most people don't. They just get embittered. They get resentful. They kind of lift their fists up at God. I'm not, I'm not saying that we can't be honest with God. I'm not saying that we can't be on a, on a journey, a roller coaster of sorts. But let's, let's not lift up our fists towards God. Let's endure. Let's press in. Let's contend for the promises of God in our generation. Fourth is this, facing discouragement. You will face discouragement. But and we all face discouragement. But you'll, you'll face even more discouragement beyond just the, the normal you know, insecurity, uh, insecure discouragements. If you really press in for something great in your generation, in your day, in your family, in your context, you will face discouragement. Fourth is the possibility of misunderstanding. People will think what you're doing is foolish. Much of the things that God calls us to contend for seem like foolishness to this world. The sixth is strain on finances. When I talk about cost, there's a real cost to following Jesus. And you can't serve both God and money. There's a point where that most practical expression of what we value in this world will be called, will be called to give account for. And so there are moments where you're, you're just called to, to give it all or give an extravagant amount to give above and beyond. And there is a true strain on finances. There's not a single follower of Jesus that I have met that's really devoted to the things of God that at, at a certain moments God hasn't taken through this, this trial of trusting him in, their, in the area of their finances. That's not easy, though. But can I tell you the reward, the harvest of trusting God in our finances? That's what I want in my life, to be in this place of peace that I know he's my provider I'm going to do the best that I can with what he's given me. I'm going to be obedient to the point of emptying my bank account. At the end of the day, he is my provider. He is my everything. We're not playing safe. And as a church, I'm going to tell you, our goal, our aim financially is not to keep the lights on. If that is the highest aspiration, I'm telling you, I'll walk out the doors. You know, There's no point. Our highest aspirations have to be bigger and bolder than that. We need to be moved by the things that God's heart is moved by. We need, we, need to, we need to dream about days that we're launching people out on a weekly basis, that we're planting more churches, that we're giving extravagantly to needs in our community, not just to keep the lights on. So that moment of breakthrough is going to cost us something. I want you to think of the shovel this morning that God's calling you to pick up. I believe there's, there's things God's calling you to contend for, that's going to cost you something to contend for. And you're, you're, you're at a crossroads. You're at a crossroads of playing it safe, of just kind of idling by and neutral like you have been, or going and picking up the shovel, of digging deep, of, yeah, maybe growing some blisters on your hands and callous and maybe being mocked by some people, but really pressing in for something of great value. 
The moment of breakthrough costs us something. And Paul said here in Colossians chapter 1 and 2 here in verses 24 through uh, 2 verse 5, there's much at stake. Maturity, the reason most people don't go into maturity, don't actually step into maturity in Christ, is because they're not willing to pay the price. They're not willing to count the cost. He says assurance of understanding. That's what's at stake. Is actually tasting and seeing a confidence in Christ an assurance of understanding because it costs us something. And lastly, he says, my hope is that, that there'd be a firmness of your faith. Most people are tossed to and fro because they haven't decidedly, confidently found that place of security in Christ every single day. That is the reward. There's a cost. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come. As I call us all to pick up a shovel and to dig deep this morning, God is calling you. There's a two-part two response that I want to give an opportunity for this morning. One, one is for individuals in this place that don't yet have a relationship with Jesus. If you're here in this place and maybe you got invited by a friend or you, you found us online and you came, but this morning you know things are not right between you and God, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus, to make things right, to start a relationship with him, to say yes to Jesus today. Yes, have forgiveness of sins, but then to be brought, brought into right relationship with the holy God, it's a big deal. And I want to give people an opportunity this morning to respond to God in that way. But secondly, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to say yes to Jesus for the great things that he's calling you to. I believe as a church that God is calling us to something great. And it's all hanging in the balance. If there can be that critical mass of people that say yes to Jesus, that do what's difficult. But I believe there's individual things going on in your life that maybe God's been beginning to brew. And it's almost like you, your heart starts to race. You start to get sweaty to think about the risks that God's calling you to take. And this morning, he's calling you. He's saying, pick up the shovel. Do what no one else is willing to do. If everyone would stand in this place. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? If you're part of that first group this morning and you need to make things right with God, you need to start a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, not because I'm going to embarrass you or call you out. I just want to know who I'm praying for. If that's you in this place and you say, Drew, I want to start a relationship with God, would you raise your hand? Awesome. Anybody else? Okay, if you raise your hand or... Even if you didn't, you can pray a prayer like this. Pray it from your heart. It's your words expressed to the Father. Lord Jesus, this morning, I come to an end of myself. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick of hitting the same dead end day after day. This morning, I recognize you as my sufficiency. You are Lord of my life. I receive your free gift of grace. I recognize there's nothing I can do to pay for my sin no amount of good works, no amount of, no, no amount of uh, uh, righteousness that I can muster up will satisfy. Instead, I recognize that you are my everything. You are my savior. From this day forward, no turning back. Amen. Secondly, in this place, God's calling us to pick up a shovel 
He's picking, he's calling us to pay a price to experience great things. And honestly, in my life, I have two great passions. Like two, two of my greatest desires in this life are to experience intimacy with God every single day, more and more intimacy with him every single day, and to see a move of God with my own eyes in my generation, in my day, my life. To see a true move of God where it's not about a person or a church name, but it's truly just a move of God. The wells of revival, the wells of salvation being washed across the city. That's my, my heart, it's my passion, but it's gonna cost me something, I know that. This is how I'm gonna end. I asked the worship team to, to lead us in that song, Break Every Chamber, and invite people forward. We don't do this every Sunday, but I felt with the, the weight of this message, I felt like I wanted to give, give opportunity for people to come forward and just respond to the Lord up here in these front areas. There's nothing necessarily more spiritual or more special about these front areas, but I believe getting out of your seats and coming and responding to God physically does mean something. So I want to give space for that this morning. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite you for Lord, this morning, our clear response is yes. That's the declaration of all. To count the cost. That's not something we just flippantly say, but this morning we say we are ready and we're counting the cost. There's a cost to being ready. The things you're calling us to struggle with, to toil over, Big things, great commission level things, magnitude things. Lord, we say yes to that this morning. We want to see a move of God in our generation. We want to see our kids come to know you. We want to see our grandkids come to know you, Jesus. We want to see this neighborhood experience the real Jesus. Not religion, not a church, but to encounter the real Jesus. That's our heart's cry. We want to see the miraculous in our day and age. God, we want to see our city be a cancer-free city. God, we want to see our city be free of addictions. And God, our hearts are going to settle for nothing less. We contend for it. Lord, it's with joy that you draw waters from the wells of salvation. And so we cling to that promise right now in your name. Would you come? Come forward right now. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information about LifePoint Church, please visit www.livethemessage.org.